Fox Spots and Chair Shots. And people, just to start off, if y'all haven't, go subscribe to Fox Spots and Chair Shots on all platforms to make sure we get in here on Fox Spots and Chair Shots. One of the hottest podcasts out here. Definitely from the spotlight. DJ Savage represents the takeover all day. And Fox Spots and Chair Shots, check Hello to all my people, and if you're watching live, checking us out on YouTube, or listening on your favorite podcast provider, you are definitely my people. Welcome to another episode of Botch Bots and Share Shots. We still have high hopes of delivering quality wrestling content, and if not, we'll sprinkle in some NWA stars, you know, so we still get over. I'm your host, a chef by trade and a mark by choice. I am the Will Gray, and tonight, my people, joining me tonight is a regular on the NWA as a member of the Ill Begotten. He is Rush Freeman. Rush, thanks for coming on to chat about some wrestling. How are you? Good. Thank you for having me, man. Excellent. I'm super hyped to have you. Uh, one of the things I always like to do, I always start this question in my interviews with two parts. One, where did wrestling start as a fan? What kind of wrestling were you exposed to? Where did you grow up? And then, where did wrestling start for you training-wise when you actually started training to be, uh, become a professional wrestler? Okay. Yeah, big question. <laughs> uh, I was raised in Oklahoma. Um, I was, you know, Growing up, I love I loved The Rock and uh, the end of the Attitude Era, like uh, late '90s, and then uh, I became I was a little kid, you know, I wasn't even ten years old. I got obsessed with The Rock, and my mom grounded me, so I wasn't allowed to watch wrestling anymore. So then, fast forward to 2002, uh, you know, I got ungrounded. I guess started watching again, and you know that was when the, uh, the SmackDown Six were you know really reveling on SmackDown. Uh, you know, Benoit, Eddie, uh, all those guys, Edge. Ray Mysterio, I was a big Ray Mysterio guy. So I really got into early 2003. Um, you know, I, I really loved it back then. Uh, as far as getting into training myself, I move around a lot. I've lived in 10 different states. And, uh, you know, back in 2016, I started rolling around wanting to really get into wrestling. I was always the biggest fan. And uh, you know, I decided to go after it. Well, that didn't last long because I got trained by some local yokels. But uh, I uh, finally starting in 2019 that's when i really committed i went full-time with it and so i uh trained in clarksville tennessee at tried and true pro wrestling academy uh, crimson from tna and he's also at nwa he owns the uh promotion and uh he put on a school there i was trained uh, by my uh, my tag team partner actually jeremiah plunkett i was trained with him he's part of the he'll be gotten and uh tom latimer who's camille's husband now he also trained me Plunky's a big uh, fan of the show, man. He's been on a before. We cover Tennessee All Pro Wrestling, which is kind of his home promotion down here in Tennessee. Uh, yep. We actually, that's how Plunky and I ended up meeting was through that promotion. So that's that's super cool. I was uh, kind of hyped to have you on for that one of those reasons, because now I've had both of you. Um, so looking at it like that, when you were growing up in Oklahoma and then coming into Tennessee, you said you watched a lot of uh, WWE and that stuff. But when I watch you wrestle in the NWA, you have a very, you and Plunky specifically, when y'all work together, you have a very old school feel about how you guys work in the ring. Can you talk a little bit on that and how your in-ring psychology goes to when you and him are building a match to kind of keep the, the true feeling of what you guys want to tell in your story? Yeah. So, you know, him training me, uh, he's a true journeyman. He's, he's old, as old school as it gets. And, uh, you know, when I started, I thought I would really, I didn't know what to expect. I didn't know anything about the wrestling industry. I thought, you know, I loved Rey Mysterio and Eddie Guerrero and Crispin Law growing up. I thought I would wrestle like them. But, uh, you know, I learned that less is more. Uh, you get more out of the basics. And, you know, I could probably do some of the flippy stuff, but I'm a little unorthodox with it. So, 
Uh, I just stick to old school basics. And that's the way he taught me. That's how we put matches together now. So in 2022, you see a lot of these guys, especially on the indie scene, they want to do these high spots and it always gets a, a good crowd pop. Do you think in 2022 wrestling is, has evolved past the collar and elbow tie up? It's definitely evolved past it. Um, there's different, you know, the NWA really does push old school. They want hard hitting, they want solid action, but uh, you're not going to see, you know, a lot of this current stuff that you'll see on other promotions, or other product on TV. Uh, they really do push the old stuff. So they keep that alive. Like, I mean, studio wrestling, that's what NWA is. So we are an old school feel to it, but we're in a new, new day, a new era of wrestling. What's some of the biggest differences are for you when you're building a match to be on NWA TV versus when you're doing a house show? Yeah. Uh, NWA TV, we get roughly six minutes to eight minutes match typically. Um, house shows, they'll let you go 10 to 15 minutes. So you get a lot of different, uh, you, get, you don't get as much time to work. And so you really got to get your story across what you're really trying to go for. Um, if you're on a house show, you can stretch that baby out as long as you want to. Uh, that's, that's honestly the biggest difference. Uh, engaging with the crowd, we're, you know, we're, we are very big about engaging with the crowd. Uh, you'll see that a lot on AEW, WWE to an extent, but AEW is really good at it and NWA is really good. We've got a lot of talkers that are just, they really work with the crowd. I know specifically here at Tennessee All Pro Wrestling, uh, when I'm there and I'm covering those guys and they work the crowd there, they're very loud, they're very vocal. Uh, 50 to 100 person in the the Victory Center down there could sound like three or 400 people everywhere else. What do you think about these small house shows and some of these more, like, I guess, organic fans that follow these, uh, the like a Tennessee All Pro Wrestling or a PWA or, you know, an SUP out of Nashville or somebody like that, these uh, smaller independent promotions that are thriving because of these core groups of fans. Man, when I started, I was like, I don't want to do this small town indie stuff. I want to go straight to the big leagues. And uh, of course, that's very, very rare that, that happens. <laughs> Plus, you always suck right after you get done. I was terrible when I finished school. I thought I knew everything, thought I was great. And now if I watch it back on YouTube, I'm embarrassed. <laughs> so uh, I actually really honed my craft. Not that I'm you know, pro or perfect or anything, but I, I did so much better just by going to the Indies. And you know, the people you meet there, you will meet some really interesting people that you're, you've got to tell your friends about after you leave, but then you also meet some really cool people. And so I've met some of my best friends at these indie shows. Um, I'm, I've got a buddy in Pittsburgh who he works indie shows, and he actually was just on Monday Night Raw this past week. His name's Spencer Slade. Uh, him and I met at an indie show, and uh, – you know, my, the girl I order my T-shirts from now, she I met her in Alabama and she owns a T-shirt printing store. And so her and I keep in touch really well. Uh, you meet like it's crazy networking with these shows. So looking at somebody like a WWE, they've recently had some changes in their higher ups. But along with that, they've also opened their doors to bringing in some local enhancement talent and being a little bit more giving to the independent scenes again. Do you think this is going to be a blessing or a curse to the independent scenes with somebody like WWE reopening their doors to the, the independent market? I think it's completely a blessing. Now, I have a college degree. I've got a master's degree. Um, I didn't, I wasn't a D1 athlete. I wasn't even a college athlete. I was intramurals. But, um, you know, they, they pushed for so long. They want more D1 athletes. Now they're opening it back up, possibly to independent workers and they're giving the indie guys a chance. And, uh, I mean, there have been a lot of great college athletes that have come out of the program and it's, 
that's been somewhat successful, but you're not getting that that person who was born and bred just every single Monday night watching wrestling or every Saturday or whatever they were watching it. You're getting people that's like, oh, I want to try that out. You know, I'm done with football now, and so you're uh, you're getting more people that have it in their heart that they want to do it. And so if they're going to open the door back up to the Indies, I'm all for it. I, I say this a lot, and as somebody who willingly calls himself a mark, I say they're looking for athletes they want to turn into superstars, not pro wrestlers they want to turn into superstars. And a lot of people are like, you don't know what the hell you're talking about. Like, don't even try to put your two cents in. But for what it's worth, when I look at them, take the time to bring these guys up. Some of them have been lifelong fans. I'm not taking away from your Bianca Belairs or your Bobby Lashley's who came from some of these programs. But when you look at the bigger picture of it, like a D1 washout track and field star, you know, like why would you want to give her more attention than you would, you know, a well-developed multi-time women's champion that's, you know, been a journeyman throughout every territory that's left. You see what I mean? Like it causes me some frustration as somebody who watches wrestling as much as I do when it's like, why take away from these shining stars on the Indies? I tell people all the time, the best wrestling's not on Monday nights anymore. You know what I mean? Like look elsewhere. And it, it just, it seems to me like, when they go one way, they do really well, and then they go back the other. But I don't want to digress too far, you know, talking about them. So NWA 74 is coming up, wrestling at the chase. A lot of ways, wrestling at the chase in the Southern Territories was the equivalent of wrestling at Madison Square Garden when you went up north. Uh, you have a chance uh, in a couple weeks to participate. Uh, what's the hype level like for you being able to, to go into NWA 74? I went to NWA 73 last year, the same building at the Chase. Uh, myself and Sam Adonis were the first match in that building in 35, 37 years. I don't remember what it was. Uh, the match actually got stopped because <laughs> we had audio difficulties. And then I, Sam did something to me and busted his nose and he's bleeding. So they just threw the match out. So that's that's how we opened it back up. But man, going back into it, St. Louis is hot. That's the best building, best crowd, like best venue for this. And we can't wait for it. Like We look forward to this all year round. Uh, we've got a lot of things in store. Uh, a lot of legends are going to be there. And then we've got J.J. Dillon coming in. Uh, it's it's going to be fantastic. What's the environment like at the NWA right now with uh, Billy Corgan at the helm? Like, what direction do you feel like he's going with the company? Billy, I look up to Billy very much, and I have full faith in him. A lot of people are always like, man, when are you going to go to AEW? When are you going to go to WWE? Like, it's that easy to just go there. And uh, I always tell them, I'm in NWA, and I love it. Like, they gave me my first opportunity, and I really believe in the company. It's going to grow. I don't know how big we'll get, but I know Billy has the mindset that's needed to where, you know, we may never get as big as Monday Night Raw is, but we may get as big as, you know, TNA Impact in 2010, 13 was. You know, we can grow. And so I'm, I'm there for the long haul. When you look at what he's doing, he's trying to keep a lot of that old school feel with the studio stuff, but he's also incorporating as much as he can of wrestling in 2022. When you look at your career, going back to that, you, you said 2016, but serious in 2019. So we'll kind of call it that area from then to now when you're where you're at in 2022. What's the biggest difference you've seen in independent wrestling since you got where you started to where you're at now with NWA? I mean, honestly, just the inception of AEW really opened up uh, independent wrestling. So I, I didn't do a lot of indie shows before. I went to a couple of small ones in Tennessee. Uh, 
further north over by Lewisburg. I went up there, or south, excuse me. And uh, I went there, and I really didn't go exploring the Indies like I should. Uh, nowadays, if I'm in a new city, I always want to check it out. But uh, after AEW came out, you know, a lot more people got their got their shot, people we'd never heard of. And I really think that's been the biggest part of it. What's your favorite city you've had a chance to wrestle in so far? Favorite city I've wrestled in? Um, between Atlanta and Nashville, probably. Um, I've wrestled in Washington, St. Louis, Atlanta, Nashville. Um, I think those are my biggest cities. Uh, Detroit, uh, I'd have to say Atlanta and Nashville. What? So many good venues too. I'm partial to Nashville. I'm born and raised here in Middle Tennessee. I got the UT hat on. When yep. you look at the differences between wrestling, Nashville and Atlanta are really similar. When they were in the, the Memphis Territories and Georgia Championship Wrestling, a lot of those crowds were really similar. What's What do you think about when you get further north, though? When you get into the Washington, D.C., kind of that New England, that mid-Atlantic crowd, and then all the way up into Detroit, uh, what are some of the biggest differences going from territory well, to territory? I actually met uh, Everett, Washington, so way northwest. Oh, you're in northwest, not yeah. D.C.? Okay. Yeah. So even further uh, out than Washington than what I was yeah, saying. Yeah, that was really unique. Uh, that was during COVID era. So, I mean, that was we didn't have fans. We had the boys cheering for us. And a really good crowd that I was working with. It was called, uh, oh, God, I can't remember the promotion's <laughs> name right now. But uh, they were great. Um, there's a lot of good guys that are out there. There's the there's a team called the Midnight Heat. And when I was first getting started, I talked to those guys all the time. And they were just so helpful. Ricky Gibson and Eddie Pearl. Yeah. So, I mean, like once you get away from Nashville and you experience it in other cities, uh, you see there's a lot more to offer. Um, I, that's one thing I tell people all the time. Like you can do great in your hometown, but you really want to expand out. You want to network with people in other areas. So I know people in Detroit and Seattle and Nashville, Atlanta. Uh, I trained at different schools. I trained under Truth Martini while I was in Detroit. I was trained at Nightmare Factory in Georgia. Uh, you don't just need to just stay in one area. So I was texting somebody just a little bit ago from Oklahoma, and he was saying, man, I can't get him to text me back, and I want to learn from this guy in Oklahoma. And no offense to that guy, but who is that guy? Like, you need to go train somewhere where somebody's actually done something, and you need to learn from the right people. So I've always been told that if you want to make wrestle, make money in wrestling, you have to learn from somebody who made money in wrestling to truly understand the business and truly get it. Uh, you just rattled off some killer names from the industry, uh, right, pretty much ranging from as far north as Detroit all the way down as the Nightmare Factory in Atlanta. What are some of the biggest things you take away from these different trainers? Uh, do you approach it like a sponge and you just absorb everything you can? Or are there certain things for your game you take from each person? You know, Cody does A, B, and C really well so those are the things you're really focused on like how do you approach going from trainer to trainer uh as soon as i get there i am a sponge i want to learn whatever they're going to tell me uh specifically one of the biggest lessons i learned um i learned it from truth martini uh somebody ever is coaching you if they're giving you a critique uh you don't say yeah but you don't tell them where you were coming from you just say thank you that's that's your coach that person's made money in wrestling you have not and they're telling you what to do you say thank you, you listen to what they said, you remember it, you don't do the wrong thing again from there. Um, that was my biggest one with him. And then with Nightmare Factor, I actually trained under uh, QT Marshall. Uh, I wasn't under Cody's classes. But, uh, you know, QT, I think he is one of the best coaches in the game. He uh, He's so good at just putting a match together and uh, actually communicating with your opponent. Um, you know, he's he was the best for that. And I learned a lot of just technique 
on grappling and how to actually apply a hold properly. <laughs> and, uh, you know, Plunkett taught me really well, but there would be moves I'd forget or signature holds that I could not remember. And uh, QT, he is so smart. If you ever just talk to him, he has the mentality of this is what, what you get, take it or leave it. And I really respect that about him. Okay. Uh, I, I like QT. I think that when you look at somebody like that, he just got the promotion into the creative role. He's going to have a little bit more on-screen production value. He's going to be more act in the live matches and situations like that. When you have a, somebody like that in your match and you're producing a match with you, and let's say it's you and Plunky, and then you have a producer helping you with the match, when three people have their hand in the pot, how do you allow for it to be an even split between the three of you? Yeah, we, uh, so, so, you know, it's a lot of tag team work for me right now. So we get with our opponent, we say what we're going to do. We take it to the agent who's already told us what he needs as far as storyline. And, uh, you know, he tells us what he needs out of it and what we need to change. And uh, we just put a plan together from there. But, I mean, honestly, NWA, it's been great. We, we have the best agents, uh, Medusa, Homicide. Uh, Doug Williams has worked with me. I've had just really good team of people that help me put stuff together. And th- the support is unreal. Like you hear a lot about the WWE locker room, how everyone's walking on eggshells and they're all scared. And you hear that AEW is better than that. NWA, I promise, is not one better. Like we all are a tight knit family there. All right, Rush. I close all of my interviews with five rapid fire questions. I've got your five queued up. Uh, some having to do with wrestling, some not. You ready to roll? Word. Excellent. What is your favorite food? Oh, favorite food. Let's go with pizza. Pizza? Actually, no. No, false. Uh, Thai food. Thai food? Are you a fast food guy when you're on the road? No. Maybe Chick-fil-A, but nothing else. Really? Okay. Uh, Do you have a favorite venue you've wrestled in? Uh, The Chase. I kind of thought that one when I saw it coming. Yeah. What's your favorite movie? Pearl Harbor. That was my childhood favorite movie. I always wanted to be a pilot. I just started learning. I always wanted to be a pilot. Then I found out that I am quite literally as close to legally blind as you can be without my glasses. So <laughs> my, my plans to being a pilot went to shit rather quickly. Um, Pearl Harbor, that's a good pick. Uh, I think you and I are relatively close in age listening to, to how you're talking because the, I, I grew up in the Attitude Era with The Rock. Pearl Harbor came out when I was in high school. I was like, okay, so I, th- I think we're relatively close. You're what a little bit your, older. <laughs> what is your favorite season of the year? Uh, let's go with April right there in the spring. That's a uh, prime fishing season. I love to fish. Do you ever do any kayak fishing? Uh, no, I want to, but I just haven't, I got rid of my truck and I just haven't, uh, haven't bought a, bought a kayak. I just got into it. It is a ridiculously expensive hobby. That's why I'm not very deep into it yet. <laughs> I want a Hobie. I'd love to get a Hobie, but that's like seven grand for the one I want. The ones I've looked at, I'm like, well, that would be great if it wouldn't be a car payment. <laughs> like, yeah. <laughs> What is your favorite finisher that isn't yours? Favorite finisher that's not mine. Um, well, that's a good question. Uh, the, the Crispin Wall, the Crippler Crossface. You never see it anymore. If you do, it's just everybody's just using it as a transition or you know, just kind of a high spot in the match. That was a finish, and I loved when he did it. I view that move the way I see somebody who does like a pile driver, for instance. Um, I know mm-hmm. like – it used to be the quintessential into a match. When Lawler hit the pile driver, you know the match was done. You know what I mean? And I feel like now a lot of times, once again, this is just the mark coming out at me, but I see a lot of these things when you do these ridiculous spots. And I'm like, 
Flair won the NWA world title with a crossbody. You know what I mean? Off the yeah. top rope. Like, that's all it took to, to pin race, one, two, three. And then you've got guys taking Canadian destroyers off the apron through a table and then, you know, popping right back up for the next spot. And I, I, like, I don't want to digress too far, but, like, the crossface is one of those, like, good suit maneuvers. It's like the sharpshooter or the figure four. When it's put in, it looks painful. It looks like it could be sold. So that's a quality oh, pick know, right there. Every teenage kid who wrestled with their friends hit a crossface on somebody, and their friend about died. So, I feel like the crossface and the figure four were the two that everybody tried to do on somebody. Yeah. All right, Rush, this is my favorite part of the episode because I don't have to say anything. You can just plug your stuff, tell everybody what's coming, where you're at, where to find you, that kind of stuff. All right. Well, thank you for the opportunity to be on here today. Uh, you can find me on Instagram or Twitter at the Freak Freeman. Uh, the Freak is just my college nickname. Yeah, so the Freak Freeman. Uh, Facebook's Rush Freeman. And, uh, yeah, that's that's all the plugs there. Uh, NWA 74, we got that coming up in St. Louis, 8, August 27th and 28th. And then uh, the TV tapings will be the 29th, 30th, and 31st in Nashville. If you haven't ever made it out there, you got to come because it's great. You get to meet most of the boys. It's family atmosphere. It's great. So check it out on Fight TV. A lot of our stuff's on YouTube. Look, look NWA up. Look up Rush Freeman on YouTube. You know, check this stuff out. All right, Rush. Well, I appreciate you stopping by and talking about some wrestling. And now as we close another episode of Botch Bots and Chair Shots, I want to take a minute and thank you for listening. Remind you to go wherever you do anything on the internet and like, follow, subscribe. For The Rush Freeman, I am The Will Gray. Thanks for stopping by and listening, my people. Botch Bots and Chair Shots. And people, just to start off, if y'all haven't, go subscribe to Botch Bots and Chair Shots on all platforms to make sure we're here on Botch Bots and Chair Shots. One of the hottest podcasts out here. Definitely from the spotlight. DJ Savage representing Echo Echo Ball Day. And Bosh Bosh and Chair Shot. Check. Savage!